It's the May 3rd, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, Robert Muller's snitty staff member, Muller. The fake news dog. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mahler. Morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just calm down. Coming up. Yeah. Carbon sucking plants. <laughs> Oliver Crackhor North. You remember him, right? <laughs> I do remember him. Marijuana athletes and more. Uh-huh. But first, you like to drive, Mike. Yes, I do. I do, too. I enjoy driving. It's not like I like to consume fuel. No. But I like a decreasing radius curve. I like to put myself right in there. Just <laughs> Feel that G-force yeah, as you me hold out on. Yeah, pulling me out and turning into it. Really leaning into it. And I like the feeling of things going by me on either side yeah. quickly. Because yeah. I like running, too. Well, then, Same reason. Yes. General Motors is working on a new car called a Cruise AV. It's got no steering wheel. Gas pedal or human-operated brake. That's got really none of those crazy. things. Crazy. Ford also plans to release a car without a steering wheel by 2021. Navia, a French company, already produces Level Five shuttles and taxis. Level Five is the no steering wheel, gas pedal, or human-operated brake. That's what they call them. In they the call them Level Five. Industry. Yeah. yeah. Level Five. But the Human Driving Association an organization whose mission is to protect people's freedom of movement and right to drive their own cars, is advocating laws requiring car makers to include a steering wheel in every vehicle. And how about a brake? Is that nuts? (laughs) Uh, Is that a crazy idea just to have a... Yeah, a brake as well. Wouldn't that seem like a reasonable thing? (laughs) Yeah, steering wheel, brake. And those are two things I think... You know, I'm even, I'll give up the gas pedal. Oh, what you're the, so old-fashioned. What the right? hell? But I can't break it a steering wheel. Come on. The Human Driving Association also argues that every future car should be fully drivable under 100% human control. Yes. According to the Human Driving Association, the best way to make driving safer is not to make it less human, but to raise licensing standards and improve driver education. Well, all sounds right. Sounds good to me. That sounds great. The Human Driving Association's perfect future car would have a self-driving option for highways and cities, so you You could do that, an augmented system for mitigating crashes, in other words, a safer car, a mode that allows for total human control, yeah, and a privacy button that disconnects it from wireless networks. That sounds great to me. I like that yeah, idea. Yeah. The only thing is, that, you know, you say, well, if your car is stolen, you want the police to be able to slow it down. I don't know. I think maybe you should have it so that only you or the person that has a key or some ID yeah. can shut down that connection. Remember that journalist that was uh, driving his car in Los Angeles? Yes. And he was on the tail of a big story that endangered his life. Rolling Stone reporter, yeah. as I recall. Yeah, he, he was driving a Mercedes. And suddenly it was flying down the street at about 100 miles an hour right. in city traffic. Right. 
a lot of people suspected that someone got into the electronics that had hacked it. Exactly right. There is something disturbing about giving ourselves over completely to the internet, to the web, to Big Brother. What are we? We're just being transported around by a system. I don't want to sound paranoid, but there, there's just something dehumanizing about all of yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Am I, you know? <laughs> You're absolutely right. Welcome to the machine. Yeah. The Human Driving Association has around 10,000 members. If you're interested in joining, go to humandriving.org. <laughs> humandriving.org. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to uh, find out more about the Human Driving Association. The Trump administration, not to be confused with the Human Driving Association. (laughs) Not at all. The Trump administration unveiled its final plan to roll back offshore drilling safety measures. That sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Put in place by the Obama administration. Ah, That's why they did it. Obama. Anything with Obama's name (laughs) on it. This is true. If they came out with an Obama candy bar, it would be banned from the White House. If Obama had literally himself cured cancer, come up with a formula that would apply to any kind of cancer, they would ban it as a medical procedure. I'm pretty certain that would happen. The Obama administration had put those rules into effect after the fatal 2010 British Petroleum Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which was the worst in U.S. history. The revised Trump plan does the bidding of the oil and gas industry. Oil companies said Obama-era rules imposed financial burdens that would prevent future development and production. Oh, yeah, like I'm seeing oil companies really starving for money right now. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. I saw the chairman of BP out on Coast Highway here with a sign. We'll pollute for money. Yeah. Uh, The well blowout, that's what they call it when it went up there. That's what happened at the BP oil spill. And fire on the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig killed 11 workers and cost billions of dollars for Gulf Coast restoration. The Obama administration had created a task force to examine the causes of the accident, and those findings were key to the formulation of the Obama-era rules. So they didn't just throw rules out there. Right. They looked into the matter for a while. Yes. In fact, as I recall, it took longer than we were satisfied with. Yes. I think we got impatient. Yes. Come up with the rules already. Right. Should be pretty easy. Democratic Senator Tom Carper, the top Democrat on the Senate Environment Committee, said the new plan mocks the findings of that task force. That's not surprising. Right. This is the non-scientific administration, you know. That oil spill was historic for so many reasons, but also it had to do with the federal government not overseeing the production and the safety measures that were supposed to be in place. In fact, as I recall, during the hearings, they found out that the plan for a blowout Uh had literally been copy and pasted from a plan that had been passed around to all of the different companies who had rigs in the Gulf Uh that was completely outdated, technically insufficient. They just did a copy and paste and said, here's our plan. The federal government didn't look at it, didn't actually assess it, and they got away with it. Well, the top priority for any corporation is making money. It's because of shareholders. It's because of Wall Street. And in the meantime, everyone else suffers. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, the Trump administration sought to remove references to climate change from an international statement on Arctic policy that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is expected to endorse next week. The Arctic Council Declaration 
is an affirmation of goals and principles among the eight Arctic nations, which meet every two years. I'd like to be a member of that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. I want an Arctic nation member t-shirt. <laughs> Don't you think? That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. be all right with that. You're probably wondering who are the Arctic nations. That would be the U.S., Canada, Russia, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland. The Trump administration's position, at least initially, threatened a standoff where the U.S. would be on one side, not signing onto a statement that included the scientific fact of climate change, and everyone else who believe in reality. Right. <laughs> exactly. The U.S. Uh, position appears to have softened in recent days. Scientists say the Arctic is warming about twice as fast as the rest of the planet, with implications for rising sea levels, weather patterns, and the uh, destruction of the Newport Peninsula. Well, yeah. there's that to look yeah. forward to. Yeah. We have that. <laughs> House Democrats approved legislation this week that would bar the Trump administration from pulling out of the Paris Global Agreement on reducing carbon emissions that was approved in 2015. You can imagine that got under their skin there at yes. the White House. Yes. And Trump was incensed by a recent assessment released by more than a dozen of his own federal agencies showing climate effects are intensifying across the country and that only aggressive action will avoid substantial damages in the future. Yeah. In other words, they have to do something about it. Yeah. Things are getting bad. Right. And they get angry about that. Right. <laughs> right. I just read an article about the permafrost. There's the ice on top of Iceland and Greenland, that ice sheets. But below that is something called permafrost, uh -huh. which has literally been frozen for centuries. It's not so perma anymore. It isn't so perma. Yeah. And More tempa. <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about when that cycle begins with the permafrost starting to actually melt. Yeah. It's so dire. I, I hesitate to be such an agent of gloom all the time. But it's not going to end well for all of us. We're talking about significant sea level rises on the order of 100 feet. When there's a lot of things locked up in the permafrost, And there's too. also the methane that's locked up in that permafrost. Yeah. These are becoming doomsday scenarios. They also talked about the cost of trying to mitigate this. $75 trillion was the estimate that was thrown out there. The entire gross domestic product of the world is $77 trillion. Yeah. I mean, again, these are things that will happen over time. It's not like one year it'll happen. But nonetheless, they're starting to get into some really seriously gloomy predictions at this point. In response, the White House began planning for an internal working group of religious fanatics and climate change deniers to counter the scientific consensus that climate change represents a major threat to the planet. Now, I made that up about the religious fanatics. <laughs> but nevertheless, they're going to you know, find people to counter science. Yes. Well, do some scientific studies. That's how you counter science. Right. Science mm -hmm. is open to the idea that there are things that they may have gotten wrong, yeah. that they may need to That's adjust and change science. and all that. That's what science is. It's not about they come down from the mount with tablets and, and they show them to people and people run around and genuflect. It's an ongoing conversation with our world as to what's actually happening. Uh, I know, I know. Trump has said that a lot of people like myself, we have very high levels of intelligence, but we're not necessarily such believers. Can we start referring to him as President Nero? If this news confounds you, 
May I recommend a donation to KUCI-FM to lift your spirits? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM, KUCI.org. <laughs> Indonesia announced it's planning to move its capital out of Jakarta because of climate change. This is a huge city, Jakarta. Yeah. And its own policies. I don't want to make people think the only reason yeah. is climate change. Right, right. But its own policies and climate change, right. the city is sinking, a process known as land subsidence because residents and industries have been draining aquifers, often illegally, to the point that the land is now collapsing. The idea of moving the capital is nothing new. The country's first president was talking about it way back in 1957. Part of the problem is extreme congestion, too. There's just too many people there. But today, the city of more than 10 million is facing total destruction by rising seas and sinking land. Models predict that by 2050, 95% of North Jakarta could be submerged. About half the city is now beneath sea level. That doesn't mean it's under the water, right. but it's, it's now below the sea level. All it takes is one storm surge to inundate a large chunk of Jakarta, for example, in 2007, a monsoon left half of Jakarta under as much as 13 feet of water. So our trailer here at KUCI, <laughs> yeah, we'd be standing on the roof up well, to our knees in water. Well, a trailer would be a houseboat, yeah. is what we would call it at that point. <laughs> Indonesia is a populous country. There's a lot of oil, and they're tearing down their trees at an amazing rate for peanut oil, by the way. That's why they're doing that. But the other thing about this, it's not even the city that's sinking most quickly. Yeah. Mexico is sinking at... Mexico City. Like a foot a year. Yeah. It's sinking. Yeah. That's because, because it's sinking the water. Yeah, up, the yeah. aquifers. And also in, in California, in the Central Valley, it's sinking as well yeah. because they're draining water out of the aquifers. Cities around the world are drowning and sinking, but there's very little we can do about it short of stopping climate change entirely. It's the makings of a worldwide humanitarian crisis... Are you listening, Balboa Peninsula? Yeah. If I was a real estate agent, yeah. I would think it would be unethical to sell people those properties in about 10 years from well, moving forward. Well, that's why you're not a real estate <laughs> that's agent. That's why yeah. I'm not a real estate agent. By the way, the Central Valley in, yeah. in California, there are parts of it that have sunk up to 30 feet in some places. By the way, I think real estate agents and bankers, yeah. they so, deserve to burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> On a happier note... The Salk Institute received $35 million in funding for a plan to grow plants that can fight climate change by absorbing large amounts of increasing carbon in the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yes, it I is. think it is. I don't know. Yes. Maybe, maybe it'll turn into some Frankenstein plant. We don't know. Yeah. The key to the Salk plan lies in a substance called suberin, the main component of cork and also cantaloupe rinds that is rich in carbon and found in plant roots. Right. By engineering genetic pathways in plants, the SALT team plans to develop varieties that grow bigger, more robust root systems containing an increased amount of suberin to absorb larger amounts of carbon from the atmosphere and bury the carbon deep in the soil. 
Plants have evolved over time to be an ideal vehicle for carbon capture and storage. If we can optimize plants' natural ability to capture and store carbon, we can develop plants that not only have the potential to reduce carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, but that can also help enrich soils and increase crop yields, said Joanne Chori, director of Salk's Plant Molecular's Cellular Biology Laboratory in La Jolla. Once the Salk team has developed ways to increase suberin in model plants, they will transfer these genetic traits to six prevalent crop plants. They didn't say which six, and I don't know why it's six. Why not five? Why not eight? I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> I want to invest in Rhubarb. Those. Rhubarb. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not beets. I, I don't beets. like beets. Although, I love beets. Did you like were... broccoli? It was a kid, no, but I love broccoli now. I love cauliflower. I love do and broccoli. Uh. In addition to mitigating climate change, the additional carbon in the soil will make the soil richer in organic matter while making the plants resilient to stress caused by climate change. This sounds like one of them win-win situations No. Here. Yeah? It doesn't? No, it does. I'm kidding. Just yeah. being yes, win, goofy. Win. win. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, in Britain, the UK Parliament declared a climate change emergency. This is big news over there in Britain. Yeah. The declaration was tabled by Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn and is one of the key demands put to the government by the environmental activist group Extinction Rebellion. Good. I hope we get organized over here and, and hold up traffic in places, too. Well, we're trying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is certainly pushing for this kind of a dramatic change. And when our... they shut things down, don't sit in your car. And get upset. Right. Join them. Yes. They're trying to save your life. That's right. Where and are you going anywhere in that car? To some meaningless job? They're trying to save your life, but also they're trying to save your kids and your grandkids' lives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was reported that the electrical grid operations in two huge U.S. population areas, Los Angeles County and Salt Lake County, Utah, were interrupted March 5th by a distributed denial of service attack according to the Department of Energy. Yeah. This is curious. Yes, it is. In a few ways. First of all, there is this attack, but there's something else, too. The attack did not cause any outages, but did cause interruptions in electrical system operations, like computer systems used by utilities. Yeah. Distributed denial of service attacks, or DDOS attacks, as we like to call them. That's what we call them. Yeah. DDOS involved delivering a heavy stream of information and internet traffic, usually with the help of a network of hacked computers, to overwhelm the systems of the target. That means that they get hold of your computer's hard drive and mine, and they're using a little bit of it, so all we notice maybe is a slowdown in our computer. Right. And they just add up millions of computers around the they world, so flood. they have a huge amount of energy, yeah. and pick a day and flood the uh, computer system of, say, a utility company. I'm not an expert in this field, but this feels like a precursor, a kind of a warm-up to some other major incursion by a foreign power. Perhaps. Yeah. DDoS attacks used to be very common. They're one of the simplest forms of cyber attack to execute, and there are easy steps to prevent them. And most large organizations have practically eliminated them as threats. The fact that this one succeeded calls into question whether the utilities are prepared for a far more sophisticated attack like the U.S. government has warned about. 
Several countries, including Russia, Iran, and China, have been cited by U.S. government authorities as sponsoring attacks against the U.S. electric grid, often with the goal of infiltrating the network or gathering intelligence. But a DDoS attack is relatively unsophisticated, which means the culprit could be almost anyone. Yeah. What were you doing March 5th, yeah. Father? Yeah, yeah. He had that vendetta mask on. That's what I remember correctly. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCI FM on Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn. Or on iTunes, go to Internet College University, KUCI 88.9 FM. National Rifle Association President Ali Crackhor North (laughs) was ousted after an alleged extortion scheme within the group's highest ranking officials after it came to light. The NRA's chief executive, Wayne LaPierre, that doesn't sound like the name of a guy that totes a gun, No, does it, it doesn't. Yeah. Wrote a letter to the NRA board accusing North of plotting to remove him from the group by threatening to release damaging information about LaPierre. LaPierre claimed North, a former Marine Corps lieutenant colonel best known for his role in the Iran-Contra affair and helping deliver cocaine that started the crack epidemic in yeah. south-central Los Angeles, yeah. was pressuring him to resign over alleged financial hijinks. LaPierre, the NRA's executive vice president, who has been with the organization for over 30 years, said he refused to comply with the threat, adding that he was alarmed and disgusted by the situation. North ended up resigning, saying in his resignation letter that he believes the NRA should establish a committee to review its finances. North previously wrote a letter to the board's executive committee alleging LaPierre had made more than $200,000 of wardrobe purchases and charged them to a vendor. The back and forth is apparently fueled by a growing rift in a decades-long relationship between the NRA and the advertising agency Ackerman McQueen. You might say, well, who cares? But Ackerman McQueen is the advertising agency that took on the NRA and changed their whole perspective. Right. NRA used to be a reasonable gun owners association that taught safety. Exactly. And Ackerman McQueen... I think it's not hyperbolic to say they weaponized the NRA and its outlook. And it also became basically a trade association for the gun manufacturers. That's really what the NRA is now. It's about promoting sales of guns at all costs. Yeah. I would be perfectly happy to support an NRA that was about gun safety, but that's not what it is. The NRA filed a lawsuit against Ackerman McQueen this month in Virginia, alleging the firm had not been transparent in justifying its billings. Ackerman McQueen argued it was complying and called the lawsuit frivolous and accurate and intended to cause harm to the reputation of the company, like making ads for the NRA is good for your (laughs) reputation. That's the calling card you want. Is the NRA's shills. Yeah. (laughs) Trump. His three oldest children and his private company filed a federal lawsuit against Deutsche Bank and Capital One, attempting to prevent the banks from responding to congressional subpoenas. 
The House Intelligence and Finance Services Committees issued subpoenas to Deutsche Bank, a longtime lender to Trump's real estate company, and other financial institutions two weeks ago, seeking a long list of documents and other materials related to Deutsche Bank's history of lending and providing accounts to Trump and his family. <coughs> The subpoenas are related to possible money laundering by people in Russia and Eastern Europe. <laughs> We've been talking about this for two, three years I right mean, now. No one can be actually surprised by this, yeah. by these developments. Starting in the late 1990s, Deutsche Bank was the only mainstream financial institution willing to consistently do business with Trump. Other Wall Street banks shunned him after a series of defaults and bankruptcies, saddled them with hundreds of million dollars in losses. That would be Trump's bankruptcies. Right. This it's, very successful win-win-win businessman. Yeah, the, the man who's been bankrupt six times that we know of and whose father gave him over $400 million. Yeah. And he's worried about people finding out how much he's actually worth. I wonder which God he prays to. The golden calf. Yeah. Starting in 2011, the Trump account was handled by the private banking division of Deutsche Bank, which caters to the ultra-wealthy. That division dispensed more than $300 million of loans to Trump and his companies, making Deutsche Bank his largest creditor. The bank also was an important lender to Trump's son, Donald Jr., and to the family of his son-in-law, Jared Kirshner. Representative Maxine Waters yes. of California, the chairwoman of the Financial Services Committee, and Representative Adam Schiff of California, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, called Trump's lawsuit meritless and said it demonstrated the depth to which Trump would go to obstruct Congress's constitutional oversight authority. As a private businessman, Trump routinely used his well-known litigiousness and the threat of lawsuits to intimidate others, but he will find that Congress will not be deterred from carrying out its constitutional responsibilities, I said. Trump's lawsuit is not designed to succeed. It is only designed to put off meaningful accountability as long as possible. Yeah, until the day he walks out of the office when they put him in the back of a, a very nice government issue Ford and drive him off to jail. I don't look forward to that day. I pray for that day. Yes, yes. By the way, Deutsche Bank is the bank that was on the receiving end of the largest fine in banking history for bank fraud. They are well known to be laundering Russian money. They have been, and that's what they were convicted of. Trump has actually sued banks that he has defaulted his loans on. Damn, Waller. Yeah, that's, that is, that's a... Sports report. Weekly yeah. oh. Signals Meltdown Sports Report. <laughs> the University of Virginia's men's basketball team, led by coach Tony Bennett, the singer's singer. You remember Tony, right? Oh, yeah. He's still around. Oh, yeah. He's still I great. left my heart. <laughs> That's not that guy, huh? No, no it's not. No, no, that's not. <laughs> Although my bad. Although for a second there, I was like, like yeah. I, "Wow, it's Tony. He's, he's here." <laughs> anyway, the University of Virginia's men's basketball team, yeah. as we all know, won the NCAA championship, March Madness, in April. But we'll skip the traditional visit to the White House. Yeah, <laughs> and a little howl out to the University of Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. This continues a trend of basketball champions blowing off Trump, like Golden State's Warriors in yeah, general, yeah. especially Stephon Curry, Stephon. and uh, our own uh, Lakers' LeBron James. 
He called Trump a bum. He did. Well, yeah. by the way, you know who's visiting this Monday? You are. Tiger. Tiger Woods is going After to the, won the Masters, uh, Trump invited him to the White House, and apparently yeah. he's going to go. A nine iron to the testicles is <laughs> what I'd recommend. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I don't know. Well, I don't know, Tiger. You don't need to go. Yeah. Seriously, you don't. Um, that makes me sad. That does. That it makes me sad, sad too. Yeah. In Virginia's case, the move was particularly poignant as it highlighted the widespread outrage and disgust over Trump's response to the white nationalist rally two years ago in Charlottesville, yeah. the team's hometown. Afterward, Trump defended the white nationalist Nazi marchers, saying some of them were very fine people. However, yeah. yes, he's tried to walk that back. Yeah, yes. well, of course. You know what he said. You remember what he said? Yeah, he wasn't referring to them. He no. was referring to the people that wanted statues. He was, ref and how Robert E. Lee yeah. was a great general, and he's had a lot of generals in the Oval Office who've said to him that General Lee is their favorite general. Well, that's concerning, isn't it? <laughs> What the hell? Let's put it as a proper historic frame. Robert E. Lee was a traitor. Yeah. He helped organize a band of traitors to overthrow the United States of America. And he was their leading military strategist. If you're talking about strategy, yeah. Well, Rommel's yeah. was a great yeah. general, yeah. too. Well, yeah. So let's be clear. He was a traitor. He worked for traitors. He was a traitor. And so is Trump. That's why they like him. And that's why they like him. And so does his administration. And I believe that most of his supporters, the real hardcore ones, are Confederate sympathizers. Yeah. Anyway, more than 15,000 people signed a petition urging the team, the uh, University of Virginia, to skip the White House visit in protest of Trump and his support of white supremacy. Trump has turned everything into a culture war. Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia, who was in office during the deadly riot in Charlottesville. The symbolism of the University of Virginia basketball team from Charlottesville going to the White House to see a president who condoned the racists, bigots, and anti-Semites. I'm very happy Tony made this decision. Trump failed us that day. He failed Virginia. He failed America. And he failed the world. Yes. Here, 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 here. Uh, do you like to play frisbee, Mike? I play every weekend. Yeah. For many hours. Yes. Yeah. Do you use cannabis when you play? Uh... Uh, you know, I know people that do. Yeah. I've been. What are you afraid? To I've been around See, people. Yes, you know, I of you know, course. The kids I do. at home, they don't know <laughs> what Mike and I have been through through most of our lives. We're astonished that you can go into a store yes. and buy cannabis. I know. Yeah. Exactly. We used to have to hide this stuff. <laughs> we could go to jail for years if we were caught with it. Yeah. It's we had friends that were locked away yeah. for years that were caught with it. Yeah. And just for a little bit of it. Yeah. The incarceration of people across the country and how many lives were ruined, literally ruined, by the fact that they smoked a weed. Yeah. Literally something that you can grow almost anywhere in the world. And does nothing but bring joy. Bring joy to your life. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Well, that would, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, let's but be honest. Alcohol. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In comparison to alcohol, yeah. I know. A recent study showed that 81.7% of 605 survey respondent athletes reported using marijuana directly before and or after exercise. A well-timed hit of leaf can break up the monotony of a long, grueling workout. Yes. The study's results suggest that people don't smoke because people think it makes them better at their sport. We don't do that. No. No. We do it because it makes the experience more enjoyable exactly. and helps with the recovery afterwards. Exactly. I garden. Yes. And I smoke. Yeah. 
because you know you start digging a hole yeah. you take down a tree that's exercise right you smoke a little bit and i have green dreams i will tell you that from my experiences and that is that when i'm playing frisbee I'm more focused on that. It blocks out everything. <laughs> the fact that your shorts are around your ankles. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bother me at no. all. All I'm thinking about is catching that frisbee. It is a very relaxing thing to do. It yeah. really helps you put the world in perspective. Not just singular focused on frisbee, but the ocean, the I'm beach, the and beach. everything. Yeah, You're exactly. doing a physical thing. Exactly. I always like the Portland Trailblazers or the Jailblazers, yeah, as the we jail used to call yes. them. Yeah. Portland Jailblazers. Yeah. Remember Uncle Spliffy? I, Cliff Robinson. Oh, yeah. well, and we can't forget G.R. Ryder. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys. Yeah. And they said exactly that. They they smoke when they're competing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they said it helped with the flow of the game. Yes. Basketball is a very cannabis-friendly uh, friendly game. Yeah, it is. It's a flow sport. I wouldn't recommend cannabis for baseball. No. Baseball is a situational sport. Right. It involves really about less than a quarter of a second when it's... the ball crosses the plate. You right. have to think fast. Boom. Right. But with basketball, it's it's a long flow. God, and as you're describing this, all the sports that I've gravitated towards over the last many decades, uh -huh. racquetball is an extremely wonderful game to be yeah. focused in that regard with uh -huh. marijuana helping you out. Basketball. Basketball. <laughs> and frisbee. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I sound like a Grateful Dead concert cartoon character here but i it's true it is absolutely true well basketball is an easy sport you yeah. put the ball in the hole yeah I'm not saying that the skills are easy i'm just saying that the idea of it yeah. is easy yeah. Yeah. and to me it's a sport yeah golf is not a sport yeah basketball you're using your whole body and that feels great yeah football i'd be paranoid the whole time oh yeah play. i'd be absolutely football. completely yeah i'd be out of my mind if i was out there <laughs> somebody's gonna take my head off any second that's not a good place to be when you're Smoking pot. <laughs> Endurance runner Avery Collins, a top finisher at some of America's most grueling ultras, famously either smokes a little or pops an edible about 30 minutes before he takes off on a training run. I guess so. And remember, there's all sorts of quantities you can take yes, here. Yes, this is all It's not like you, you have to eat an entire brownie. No, I don't know no, if he'd, no. he'd, yeah. he'd leave his house if he did that. <laughs> there is research pointing to the use of cannabis products for muscle recovery. In fact, the World Anti-Doping Agency allows CBD, a minimally psychoactive component of marijuana, to be used during competition. Overall, people who combined exercise and marijuana exercised an average of 160 minutes per week, far more than the 103 minutes per week typical of those who don't combine the two. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it makes it an enjoyable experience. Yeah. I'm not saying it makes you live longer. No. It might make you live shorter. But at least while you're living, <laughs> you're having some fun. And finally, in Brazil, a parrot was taken into custody after it warned its owners about an undercover drug raid by squawking, Mama, policia! Mama, policia! Mama, policia! Mama, policia! You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.